armed with unqualified opinions. Talk Filmy to Me. Hello and welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, a film podcast about news, entertainment, general pop culture. We talk about films, past, present and future, what we love, what we don't love and all the fandom in between. If you like that, if you like the cut of our jip, then click on that follow, like, subscribe button or whatever it means that you get more content from Talk Filmy to Me. Anyway, plugs aside, thank you so much. It's been a couple of weeks since we've we've been on the air, but I am back and more importantly, we are back with my boy, John Descamento. How are you doing, pal? I'm very good. It's nice to be in the same room as you for the first time in about 30 podcasts, I reckon. It's kind of like the the Tinder date that finally happened, right? We keep swiping and sending each other little emojis, but now we're we're actually here. Yeah, you don't look so (laughs) nice in your life. Well, the reason why I might look a little bit haggard is because the last couple of weeks I've been off on pod paternity. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who has been sending messages of support over the last couple of weeks. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, me and my wife had our second child, a little Ooh. girl called Harley. Yeah, thank you. And uh, yeah, you know, the, the amount of support that we have had and messages and everything else received has been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for all Harley of that. Harley is a strong female name. I couldn't... I, I, literally like that was the only name we could agree on like I po- I done a thing on Twitter because you know life's determined by hive mind sometimes <laughs> and I was like oh so what other names yeah what filmy names can people come up with and some were sent through with fucking crackers but everyone the wife was just like no 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 <laughs> Ripley you mean like I was like yeah but fucking alien man that's a fucking cool name no no and I was like oh fuck it you know what I'll, I'll, I'll shoot I'll go for my moonshot I'm a big Batman fan I was like what about Harley you know Harley Quinn and she was like I like name Harley didn't put the two and two together just like she didn't put two and two together that Lana is actually a character in Superman's world <laughs> uh, basically my child my children are DC nerds they just don't know it yet <laughs> but more importantly thank you for all the nice messages we have had as well for reaching the big one double oh that's right a hundred episodes of talk filming to me we have entered that club does that mean we can call ourselves podcasters now um, you can. I would. I didn't do the hundredth. I'm very sad about it. No, no but you know, like people, like you look in their bios or you look them on LinkedIn and stuff, mm. and they're like, you know, and it's it's never just podcaster. It's always producer, musician, actor. We, we should get a badge, but the problem is, no one's going to give us a badge. Us, so <laughs> it's just going to be. You let me sort out some badges. We're going to go to a sticker website and we'll make a hundred <laughs> club and we'll send them to each other and everything will be right with the world. Um, so what have you been watching the last couple of weeks? Oh, put me on the spot. What have I been watching? Can't, you can't talk about politics. Um, <laughs> you know what I haven't even thought. We moved into this house, so we're setting up everything. Uh, so I haven't watched a lot. I did watch... Um, watch you... Uh, Dolomite. Dolomite is my you, name, yes. Dolomite is my name, which I... Uh, I couldn't listen to the last podcast until I watched the movie, uh, but I did, and then I listened to the your awesome review. I loved it. I thought it was really, really good. And it was so nice to see Eddie Murphy like just good, slaying good it Eddie again. Murphy. Yes. yes, it was such a. It was so good to see that. And other than that, I mean, we've been decorating the house, so I'm, I feel slightly out of the loop, really. You know, when like you first move into a place, and mm. you got that kind of two week lull of sorting out your internet, getting your TV packages sorted. It's not really a nightmare. Like, it's it's you like you're in, the, you're in the fucking dark ages, right? <laughs> like uh, I remember when we moved into our place, and it took like a week for Sky to come around and hook everything up. So we all we had was my PlayStation and a bunch of DVDs but the DVDs didn't work on the PlayStation <laughs> so I went and, I went into like an Asda and bought like a cheap 
DVD player <laughs> just so we could watch 300. That's not even, I don't even like that film that much. To be fair, anything Gerard Butler in has got my attention. But, like, yeah, that was... No. So I managed to have a bit of binge-worthy timing because, obviously, you know, being doing my dad thing, you do have to have something on in the background. <laughs> uh, been watching Watchmen. Oh, mate, if, you have, if you're not watching Watchmen, like, what are you doing? You need to watch it. It is I've so good. for many people. It is, mm. it is a cracking adaptation from the comics. It's also... It, it's like, you know how... And unfortunately, we didn't do the Doctor Sleep podcast because I was away. And at some point, you know, if people want it, I will do um, a spoiler special about that. But spoiler alert, I really liked Doctor Sleep. What I liked about it is that it's both a sequel to the book and a sequel to the film. And not necessarily is it exclusive to those things. So Doctor Sleep does an amazing job of honouring the movie, honouring the book in a way which doesn't mean that it's the canon is the book or the TV or the, the film. It's not one mm. or other. It's kind of done that and Watchmen has somehow done this by honouring the comic books and honouring the film it's the direct sequel to that film but also you know the things that the film doesn't do that the comics do it somehow bleeds that in and it's never quite the show you think it's going to be that's that's sort of a great hallmark of a TV show right when episode one episode could be like oh it's going to be about this and then the status quo just changes yes. and the status quo is constantly like the boys the boys does that really yeah. well as well didn't it I first ep- a first series of Stranger Things did that for me yeah, what? it kept it the just narrative just constantly... Kept you guessing. Do you know what I did watch that made me genuinely angry? Um, <laughs> I finally got around no politics, watching... No politics, no politics, no, no, no politics, okay. The leaders debate last night, no. Uh, <laughs> I finally got around to watching The Lion King... The remake uh, from last year. The lifeless doors I used Lordy, that <laughs> I got genuinely angry more than I thought I would be. It was just, like, dreadful. They took all the good bits out of the original... And made them somehow not funny and not at all interesting. Oh, that's harsh. Do you really think? I I, I concur that it's not as good as the original. But then again, you know, you can't remake. You can't remake the Mona Lisa and expect it to look as good, right? It's just one of those things. But it does have some interesting moments. So the one thing I don't like is that you know, my one of my favorite things in the original Lion King is where they're like, "Oh, we need to do the live bait thing," and he's mm. like, "Ah, oh, you're making awesome <laughs> oh, bacon, yep, yes. yep. amazing." And they decided to maybe in fear of trying to just copy and paste it, they done their own thing with a be our guest thing. And to be fair, that was fucking funny. But it's not him in the hula in the hula skirt doing the, doing the drag dance, right? It's was- just not. This is not as funny. There's so many great lines from the original that they seem to try to change, trying to make it away, and it just didn't land for me. I don't know if I'm a product of my time, uh, grumpy old man syndrome, but I just it's not the classic for the kids of today that the original is well, for us. Yeah, but we say that, but every general like it's like Star Wars, right? And I don't know, not everything comes back to Star Wars, though. Sometimes it does appear that of my opinion. Sometimes, but like Star Wars is for kids. And the original George Lucas trilogy, that was for kids. And kids loved it. And those kids grew up and they had kids. Now, those kids took their kids to the cinema. And when they saw that new trilogy with Darth Maul and episode one and stuff, they went, what the fuck is this shit? You know, George Lucas, you ruined our childhood. He actually got a lot of abuse for it. In fact, if you do, if you go on the Wikipedia page of the little boy who played Anakin Skywalker in episode one, it is a, it is a horrible tale of unfortunately child stardom going completely wrong the kid retired at like the age 11 he burnt all of his memorabilia and toys and stuff because he didn't want to be affiliated with because he was bullied so much it's really toxic and I really feel sorry for the boy anyway not to bring a downer my point is is that every generation has their thing there is a generation of people now that look back at that prequel trilogy and say that is my Star Wars 
and there are people that are going to look at Daisy and and Oscar Isaacs and all those other guys in the new trilogy right now, right? And mm. at some point, they're going to look back and say, that is my Star Wars. And there are some kids out there, whether you like it or not, are going to look at The Lion King and say, did you know there was like some shitty cartoon version of The Lion King? Because they're going to only see the CGI version that they've grown up with. I don't agree. I think they're <laughs> going to talk about the good Pixar movies that are being made, which I think we'll go on to a bit later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good. So anyway, let's, 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 yeah, we're back in the groove, back in the pod. We've got rid of that pod rust. Let's talk about our first review. So uh, Little Monsters is a film that we reviewed a couple of weeks ago. It's got the Peter Noango in it. It's an Australian zombie comedy. When you put the word zombie and comedy together, you naturally think about Shaun of the Dead and thinking about how that is a big crown to try and go for. And uh, this is a film very much in its own right. Now, here is my review. I pre-recorded this about a week and a half ago, uh, just before everything kicked off with the baby. So this was the first opportunity to get this in the engine. Next stop, Pleasant Valley. a super fun time on our trip. I want you all in the line in front of me and away we go. Why are we stopping? There must be something in the way. What is it, Miss Caroline? Monsters is a limited theatre release zombie horror comedy movie. Uh, Sky snapped it up as a Sky original, so it's now available for you if you are a Sky customer to stream for free as part of your package. But I do envision this being on Netflix or Amazon at some point in the near future. This film follows a guy called Dave. He's a washed up musician and he decides to get himself out of his funk by helping out and volunteering at his nephew's kindergarten class. And an opportunity has come up to volunteer and help out with a field trip he happens to stumble into the teacher who's played by Lapita uh, Nuango and he falls in love and falls, thinks this is an opportunity to prove himself and win her affections by being the best musician guiding these children on this field trip this field trip's going to a nice happy farm place where it's going to be lots of petting zoos and sing-alongs and everything in between what can go wrong hey well actually what happens is a zombie outbreak which makes it all hilarious whilst at the same time hard to try and get it on with the teacher it's also got josh gad in this as well he is playing a children's presenter who's not a very nice person called teddy mcgiggle and uh, yeah he's a bit of a twat basically but he is hilarious and essentially this zombie outbreak happens uh, everyone in the park bar the kids of the class and the teacher gets infected and they've got to survive until help comes I won't go into any more spoilerific detail than this but basically it's about Dave rising to the occasion to try and win the teacher's heart and um, you know where can I go with this so I think it's a really refreshing take on the comedy zombie genre. I don't think anyone has done this particularly well since Shaun of the Dead. I'm not putting them in the same bracket, but it's definitely a spectrum of enjoyment to be had with this film. I think uh, Lupita Nyong'o, I mean, you know, when you had a year like she's had with Black Panther then following that up with us she can pretty much go and make whatever the fuck she wants and she chose to make this project and there's a reason why because she is, there's there's joy to be had here. I think she really is a great she'll make a great teacher like she generally is very empathetic listens to the children speaks to them very well she, what i'm trying to say is she's a good actor and she's uh, doing a great job in this uh dave's played by alexander england i haven't seen him in too much i remembered him being in a community episode once and it was kind of funny in that and obviously josh gad you know exactly what you're getting with it um except he's playing a right arsehole in this actually he plays an arsehole very well and um, i like i say 
This isn't going to rewrite the rule book on all comedy horrors, but I really enjoyed this. It's directed by a person called Abe Forsyth, who also wrote this film. It's a short film. It's only 94 minutes, and it does buzz through very quickly. You know, the pacing is very good. The comedy, like I say, it's, it's very much about, you know, the teachers trying to fool the kids into believing that everyone's okay and it's just a big game of tag and she's hiding them in this this like converted classroom that she's trying to keep them safe in and then every now and again she has to go kick ass and and save everyone because you know it's Lapita Nwango you know she kicks ass and um, I'm gonna go three out of five uh, if you see it you know give it a watch it's definitely enjoyable I don't think it's gonna spawn a franchise or a bunch of sequels or anything like that but it is something to be had here for a lot of people. Look, watch the trailers. What you see from the trailer is what you get. You get that kind of off-colour Australian comedy. You get a lot of flavours of that within this. And, you know, it's enjoyable. So there you go. Three out of five little monsters. of behavior is unacceptable. Max started Max it. Max is five years old. And if you can't use appropriate language with a five-year-old, I'm going to have to ask you to disembark the tractor tree and wait for his back of the class. News. We, we do need a new intro, don't we? It's been 101. 101 It's news. such a good intro. Yeah, it ain't broke. Don't fuck. You know what? <laughs> you don't fucking paint over the 16th chapel. You don't fucking paint over our intro. Anyway, let's go over news. So, John, James Dean. Yeah. Are you a James Dean fan? Or are you a, p- a James Dean poser, like I think 90% of James Dean fans are? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not claiming to be a James Dean fan. I just know he's a classy bugger he is a classy bugger let's let's leave it at that and anyway look i appreciate this news dropped a couple of weeks ago but we haven't had a chance to discuss it and i thought it'd be an interesting discussion point and basically there's a film that was being commissioned at the time it was supposed to be set in a post-war era where it was about uh basically a rebel and they thought what was the best way to do this well actually the best actor who ever played a rebel in those sort of times was james dean and they were going to they got permission from the james dean estate to create a cg james dean in a new film so it wasn't a it's not retaking james dean footage and just splicing it into a film it literally was going to be an actor was going to mocap a performance and they were going to stick james dean over the top of it and the whole internet exploded with how bad this is john are you for or against this Oh, fuck it. You know, (laughs) let's do it. It's the same thing. It's like, should we bring back the T-Rex if we ever have the technology (laughs) to do it? Of course we should. It'll be interesting. It'll be fun. So you're the John Hammond of of films, of film Twitter. You're going to say, welcome (laughs) to Dead Actor Park. (laughs) It's got James Dean wandering out. I'm from your blood. (laughs) But I say, I don't know. Let's give it a go. See... I would like... It's an interesting experiment, isn't it? Um, they, I think I feel like there's better people they could do it on. Maybe James Dean's a good entry point. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna be on the other side of this. I'm going to put my... I'm, I mean, it's very... The similarities between this and Jurassic Park are hilarious. Um, I'm going to put my Ian Malcolm glasses on and just go, you, you, you stopped... Uh, you didn't stop to think if you could do it. You just focused on 
or whether you should do it. I've got that the wrong way around now. But anyway, <laughs> life finds a way. And I don't think that this is a particularly good thing to do. I think just because we can do it doesn't mean we should. I think it might be done distastefully. It might be done in a way which, A, you're stopping. I mean, Jesus Christ, if it's hard enough for of women of colour or for certain demographics to get acting jobs, how do you think they feel now knowing that a dead white dude from the last 40 <laughs> years has got a job over you? Like, I mean, come on, there's other stories we can tell in other ways. But with that in mind... If we did create this Dead Actors Jurassic Park and mm. we're just making films for shits and giggles and splicing them in, what dearly departed actors would you like to see Well, in original new films? it's You've got to pick someone who left us too soon, haven't you? Like Marlon Brando, he did a lot of movies and he's well regarded as one of the greatest actors of all time. But he died pretty young, right? Um and who knows he looked really old but he then apparently old, yeah. he was a he was a lad like he, he partied a lot so I'm not surprised uh, I, I think Marlon Brando would be a good one you know I, it'll be interesting and you know what maybe in like more of like a Scorsese sort of film to like mm. CG him in somehow what's quite interesting actually this is kind of the counter opposite is that in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood they recreate a famous Steve McQueen scene from Escape to yes, Victory, I think do, it was. Yeah. And they literally splice Leonardo DiCaprio over it. And when you actually... I put it on the Twitter account a couple of days ago, actually. Have a look at it. They Someone's put those scenes and spliced them next to each other so you can see he's literally following every mannerism. There's something beautiful about seeing that capturing being done there. But um, I would like to see someone like John Candy. Like, actually, like someone writes a proper classic 80s comedy mm. for John Candy and they just make it today and they just put a CG John Candy over it I think I'll, I'll pay good money to see that yeah thing is it has to be someone departed from way back when like I was gonna say River, River Phoenix who died from like heroin overdose when he was like 24 or something hmm. just because he was amazing uh, child actor and of course his brother jo- Joaquin is one of the greatest actors around today in my opinion um, but that's too it's too, too near, close too, too close, close. To the bone. Yeah. and it's too tragic it's just mm. not tasteful but James Dean apparently 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 it's fine <laughs> apparently you can dig out do like a weekend at Bernie's sort of thing but they're just putting strings on them enough times passed well yeah that is true um, but uh, I don't know other than other than that I, I kind of I mean apparently the movie's not happening now like it's not been like because of the reaction on social media they've not cancelled it they've just decided to relook man Twitter's it. becoming like the new writers of Hollywood, isn't it? Like, well, they changed Sonic, man. They, they changed ch- Sonic, but they changed Sonic for the better. So let's talk about that. So the new Sonic trailer dropped um, a couple of days ago, and they've invested something like thirty million additional dollars to get the CG right. They even went and got one of the animators from one of the Sonic games to come on board to really. I mean, I love the fact that they went and found a Sonic expert and actually put this in. But let's talk about. This. We all talked about our thoughts when that first trailer dropped. We can all agree that it was the stuff of nightmares. But let's look at it now. I think it generally looks great. It looks brilliant. Um, Sonic looks great. I can't. The voice though, I the still. Voice, the voice still not, sounds like a dick. It sounds like that dick from Parks and Rec because it is <laughs> that dick from Parks and Rec. Like this, who is it? John Ralphio. Oh, right. And he's like, the worst, that guy. Like, he's, ah, oh, he's... But if you keep watching the trailer, because I have done several times, because I was just like, is it his voice? Or is it just I'm not used to... Because you're used to a certain... Mm. It's like when you watch... Um, you remember Batman, the animated series, right? Yeah. Kevin Conroy, that is the voice of Batman. He has mm. been the voice of Batman for over 30 years. 
if you have someone else doing that voice, you think that's not fucking right. We've, we're so used to Sonic, if you have seen him in different carnations or whatever, um, it's done by a certain voice actor. This is someone new. So maybe if you just keep watching it, it fits, but yeah, still I've don't. always known, I've always thought Sonic had an annoying voice though. I yeah, thought no, that's but not one John Ralphio annoying. <laughs> yeah, but Jim Carrey and oh. is halfway through the trailer and you just get glimpses of the old Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to watch it probably purely for that take to see Jim Carrey exercise some comedic chops because it looks kind of, I mean, it could it looks be fun. crap, it, it, but it looks fun. Yeah, It looks fun. It looks like uh, if there's like a nailed on three out of five <laughs> animated yeah. fun film, <laughs> That plays off a bit of nostalgia with some member berries in there. You know, it's got all it's got. I think it's got all of the tick boxes in there. It's amazing what a bit of CG can actually do, right? It's actually because they haven't changed anything else by the looks of it. It's just all they've done is they've fixed Sonic. They've made Sonic mm. great again, if you will. <laughs> um, so anyway, let's talk about. Let's move away from from Sonic for a moment. Let's talk a bit about Netflix stuff. Now, you mentioned it at the start about Dolomite is uh, is my name being an excellent film, and Mr. Eddie Murphy puts in an amazing performance. Puts in such an amazing performance actually that he is being. Considered for an Oscar. When I say he's being considered for Netflix, are putting Netflix money into promotion of him to be considered for the big gong uh, in February, I think it is next year. Uh, but more importantly, Netflix have sat down with Eddie and said, "Well, what do we do next? Mm. You know, this has been a fruitful partnership. We've we've done a great project here. Where do you want to go next?" And he said, "Well, I've got a, I've got a, an inkling, something I'd like to do." And then all of a sudden it was announced that there's going to be a Beverly Hills Cop 4 that Netflix are going to be funding and Eddie Murphy is coming back to comedy. He wants... So he wants to do... He wants to do this. He's, there's an idea, he's behind it and they are doing it. Wow. Well, this is great news, surely. Anyone at our age who grew up with those ridiculous early 90s... Hey, the soundtrack alone is enough for it to fucking come back. Right? <laughs> uh, but here's what I love. So... The first film, the first Beverly Hills Cop movie was never meant for Eddie Murphy. It was mm. a film written for Sylvester Stallone. Really? He passed on it because he had other commitments. And then they were like, okay, the let's... Lords. And it was supposed to be a, just a straight-up action cop drama, oh, right? wow. And Eddie Murphy at the time was up and coming, become one of the biggest actors on the planet. And they sat down and said, you know what, fuck it, we're going to make it a comedy. But we've got no comedy... There was no comedy writers. It was mm. just it was like a drama. So they basically stuck Eddie Murphy in a room and went fucking improv it, make it funny. Banana in a tailpipe, fucking do it. You know, it's hilarious. And it That works. makes a lot of sense because the Beverly Hills Cop movies, they're funny, but fundamentally they're kind of draw you in. They actually have an interesting narrative. From the third one, that was basically just a theme park. But again, I, I like that. Yeah, because we would write Wonderworld. age. Yeah, we would write age group for it. <laughs> but apparently the rest of the world outside of our age bracket fucking hates that film like it's one of those we, we don't talk about that yeah yeah but I, 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 I agree I generally love it I mean there was this period in the 80s and 90s where basically scripts were just interchangeable mm. so it was just like Die Hard wasn't ever meant for Bruce Willis right like it's these scripts um, die, oh, what's it? die Hard with a Vengeance that was a Lethal Weapon 4 script like mm. it was just it was literally just change protagonist to, to either white dude or black dude and that was it they just carried on with it by the looks of it but anyway more importantly Eddie Murphy is back he is reprising the role of Axel Foley the fourth movie in the franchise it is going to continue on the narrative they're not doing the whole redcon thing which sometimes happened but this is one I'm, I'm fascinated by this is this year in particular we've got a bunch of Guys coming back to reprise an old role, right? Whether that's John Rambo, we had Rambo Last Blood this year. Um, we have had we've had Terminator with um, Dark Fate, which probably is Arnie's last time. 
if you believe that, but probably not. But considering how much money it made, it's probably the last time we're going to see a Terminator movie, period. And I kind of like the last hurrah thing. And it'll be nice if they can just capture what made the first film and the second film good if you can do that then this is going to be a great endeavor and the fact is that eddie murphy's got a bit between his teeth at the moment because dolomite is my name was so good is there mm. any other like, is there any actors kicking around that you think mm, yeah i'd love to hear i'd love to revisit that well and have a last hurrah a last hurrah i don't know man i'm i do going back to eddie murphy though i think it's obviously Dolomite as my name is was a real passion project, right? Yeah. He put a lot into that himself. So I'm hope hope that this is another one where he's like, no, oh, I'm not ready to do to end Beverly Hills Cop. Let's revisit. Mm. Let's make it awesome. So I don't know who who's your last hurrah. I although he's a bell end, <laughs> which can be said about start. a lot of of actors who who found fame in the late eighties, early nineties. I would really like to see a lethal weapon. Oh, yeah. Get Donald Glover back. Get Mel Gibson. Or maybe, fuck it, just recast him. Just get Christopher Plummer in. He's the guy who fucking saves everyone, right? I don't care. Like, revisiting that well and having the Phil Collins. Like, I would I would actually really like to do that. Um, There's not much that isn't coming back, though. They're making a Bill and Ted. Yes. What's wrong with this? You're no, it's, it's great. It's just... It, I already feel a little bit... Uh, overwhelmed by the amount of remakes so I feel like I can't think of one that's like please bring it back because they already thought of it yeah but I love it when like we get a sequel or a spin-off or a reimagining of a film make me an Ace Ventura 3 then there well we there go. we go there we go the last <laughs> hurrah Ace Ventura one less it always time. comes back to Jim Carrey <laughs> well but why not to be fair um, and speaking of films that are having needless sequels and spin-offs and everything else there's a new Star Trek movie in the works uh, Star Trek 4 well, four in terms of the J.J. Abrams reboot from, like, 2008. Uh, it's the fourth movie of that, but it will actually be the 14th Star Trek movie. Is currently in the works right now, and it's found a director. It's the guy, gentleman who wrote the Fargo TV show, which, there you go, that's, that's got your talent. attention. Oh, yes. He also wrote the TV show Legion. Um, if you haven't seen that, it's a spin-off from the X-Men universe, a Fox TV show. Really good very adult, but not, not sexy adult, more just psychological adult, but still very good TV show nonetheless. So that's that's got to be good, right? And Chris Pine is going to be coming back. He's going to be reprising his role as well as the uh, the Spock guy. I can't remember what his name is. Every time I see him, I like, oh, the guy who played Spock. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is good. Were you, were you happy with the, the Star Trek JJ-verse thing? I'm not, not bothered. Really? Simon Pegg was producing on them and yeah. it was great to see like him doing so well in them. Such a good Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like to see sorry about that that's good that was good John man. Oh, thank think, you yeah you can tell you live with an actor <laughs> um, so just to, to move on some other news bits so let's talk about DC for a moment as mentioned my children are literally named after some of their characters um, which my wife is now finding out and is going to kill me but anyway the Snyder Cuts look uh, John I know this isn't your bag and I know for some of our listeners they're like you know what I fucking heard it Flint don't bang on about it too long I'll just say this if a cut of Justice League exists that's 240 minutes long and is drastically different from the version we got and is ready to go. Why haven't they released it? Like, what? what is the actual reason? Stop. Do you really think that it's like they're, they're doing this on purpose? I, I don't. 
Um, but anyway, apparently there is a version that exists and all of the cast have been out tweeting support for this and release the Snyder Cut. Isn't Some... it undermining the other cut? Yeah, but it's shit. Like, uh, like let's, let's not... Let's yeah, not... people made that. Yeah, they also made this other version of the film. So mm. I do agree that there probably is a version that exists, but I also think it probably is going to cost the best part of $50 million to get it finished. Mm. And I don't think Warner Brothers are going to spend $50 million I'll to finish it, it. I've got iMovie. I'll sort it out, no problem. Then it's just John pops up. I have to go. My planet <laughs> needs me. <laughs> but what makes this an interesting discussion point is that DC Warner Brothers is in a really weird situation right now. You've got... Uh, you've got they're movies that are starting to make money now. Aquaman grossed over a billion dollars. Shazam didn't do so well, but there's going to be a spin-off sequel with Black Adam and The Rock announcing that and dropping some concept art for it. It looks incredible from that perspective. But you've also made these announcements of, look, we're moving away from connected universes. We are going to not have Ben Affleck as our Batman anymore. They've recast, obviously, of our pats. We've got that standalone movie coming out. They've even acknowledged we are doing standalone movies with The Joker doing so well, and we'll talk about that news in a moment about what that means for the future as well but on top of that you've got Gal Gadot who came out the other day and was lending the support to the Snyder Cut now that's put a lot of pressure on her for her sequel to Wonder Woman to do well like we hope it does well the first film was very successful and we hope the second one is as well for the right reasons but if that isn't and she is part of the Snyder Cut brigade do you think Warner Brothers are going to get rid of her as well who knows I mean Again, you know, Jason Lamar was giving out this support, but he does have the thing of saying, my film made a billion dollars for you recently. So it's an interesting can of worms, and I have no idea how they're going to resolve it. So anyway, that's my Snyder Cut spiel done. So I know, um, John, that is not your bag. But let's talk about Joker. I did hear about it, though, which tells you it's yeah, quite it's been trending game. for fucking weeks. So Gal Gadot doing that, is that kind of bold of her? Is that always... Was that expected, do you think? I think she didn't need... I think there's. she has no nothing to gain from it other than she must believe that there is a version of that film that better portrays her and she wants it to be released to the right. world. Wow. And I agree there probably is because, let's be honest, like I said before, Justice League was really ham-fisted and literally like her... like They took so many steps forward and then so many steps back. Mm. with the whole Wonder Woman thing. So the first Wonder Woman movie was a great step forward for representation in cinema. It was a great story told. It was done in a way which is comparable to any other comic book movie, which is exactly what you want. You don't want it to be a... You don't want it to get special treatment whilst at the same time you don't want it to be held at a disadvantage. It was a great step forward in storytelling. Told through the female gaze of a director. And if you want to hear my thoughts on the female gaze, listen to my review of Hustlers and that's why those films are important. So then you come to Justice League. There's literally a scene where the Flash trips over, lands on Wonder Woman, and basically motorboats her. Every shot of Gal Gadot is basically an R shot. Like it's just such a step back from what they were trying to achieve. So I'm not. I don't blame her for wanting to like get that fucking cut out of existence because mm. literally it doesn't show anything in a great light. No one looks good in this film. No one looks. No one's coming out smelling of roses. But if there's a cut of this film that actually is better, and I would argue that the cut, the director's cut of Batman versus Superman, is far better than the direct than the normal cut that we got in theaters, then maybe there's something to be had there. Look, I think what would be really interesting if HBO for HBO Max actually releases this as a thing on their streaming service 
or if they do a general release, then all that money should go towards a good cause, maybe suicide prevention hotline, which is what the Snyder Cut supports in terms of the movement of people. So maybe there's something good to have from there. But who knows? Let's see what happens. Maybe next week we'll all be talking about how we've watched the Snyder Cut and how it's somehow amazing and how we're now really gutted we're not going to get any more films in that world. But I doubt it. Mm. I'll tell you who won't be watching the Snyder Cut. Who? Me. <laughs> and Martin Scorsese. <laughs> So anyway, let's talk about Martin Scorsese in comic book movies. He was actually a producer on The Joker. He was involved with The Joker, which is interesting considering his comments about um, you know comic book movies and just for some reason only liking uh, his sort of form of storytelling and the whole thing about art. But anyway, let's leave that to another time. John, you've seen Joker now, haven't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, is it, for me, it's film of the year. Where is it for you? Oh, it's, it's right up there. I am really flabbergasted that it's made so much money because I thought it was a brilliant movie it stuck with me but it felt like not a movie that everyone's gonna absolutely love but it's made over a billion right yeah it's made over a billion and a sequel is now in the works now let's just be clear a lot of people are up in arms about this and there are millions of films in the works all the time it's something like 90% of them never actually make it to completion. So don't be surprised that this conversation is happening because A, when you make a billion dollars, you have a conversation about a sequel. Mm. That's inevitable. Unless you literally killed off your character and you put up a big thing up saying, he ain't coming back, kids. (laughs) Like there's always going to be a conversation to be had. And Todd Phillips wants to be that director. Now there's also part of these conversations about the idea of, you've done a really good job with this, Todd. How would you feel about doing that with other characters? So the idea of doing this kind of spin-off about the bad guys, but mm. not in a suicide squad, hey, it's fun sort of way, but in a gritty, realist, not realistic, but in a gritty, uh, more adult-orientated interpretation, there's some money to be made. I mean, this is the most profitable comic book movie of all time because <gasps> it, it cost only something like $50 million to make and it's grossed over a billion. That makes me happy. So, yeah, it makes you happy that it does that sort of stuff, right? So this is this is potentially happening. And I think the timing isn't good for them, though, because they are they are going for, you know, they say they're not, but they are. They're going for Oscar nominations. They're putting for your considerations out there. They want either Joaquin Phoenix to get the Oscar nod or they want the director to get it. They'll obviously submit for both, not expecting to get both. And what takes away the sheen of this is almost like an indie movie in the guise of a comic book movie and mm. it's paying yeah and i know the film buffs out there have already given their opinions about the joker i'm in the camp of if this was directed by martin scorsese you'd be sucking it off not saying it's nothing but derivative nonsense but that's just my opinion and um, I think the whole concept of and we're going to spin it off into a sequel and a potential franchise is going to diminish the returns around Oscar season because all of a sudden the f- there's already film snobbery of the highest order with this. You're now going to get the Academy being even more snobbery with mm. it. So I don't think the time is going to work out. But I'll see a sequel. Fuck it, why not? Yeah. It kind of surprised me because Joaquin Phoenix is a he, kind of quirky Has he ever dude. done sequels? Has he ever done a sequel? I can't think of one and it seems like he he's not they're chasing money or being told what to do right he's he's getting on yeah i mean there was that that ill-fated sequel to her where he fucks a hand dryer instead but <laughs> <laughs> oh dear wait so, to say uh, that for uh, 10 podcasts yeah i have to be fair so um, anyway let's talk about some trailers that dropped while i was out so cats fuck me this looks bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah what what's to like it's got james corden doing that really high-pitched shouting milk 
randomly. Oh, horrible. And uh, Jane Dodie Dense. Yeah, well, why? If you don't like cats, I'm allergic to cats and I hate cats. So this movie... It's not for you. It's the, it was hard to get through the trailer, to be honest. It's dreadful. It was the sum of all fears, right? Like you had this dystopian future, <laughs> these giant cats and... Have you got some say about cats, my darling? <laughs> my wife's just entered the room. She's, we just had cats. I just have to say one thing about cats. This is a tweet, a, a very loose quote from a tweet that I stole from my friend, Ryan, that the reason cats was such a massive success on stage is because it doesn't have a script. It's really? one reason. It doesn't have a script. It's just songs and dancing. Yeah. Um, so I feel like the, the film might be uh, pushing the boat out of it. So maybe the script was really easy to write. It was just put a bunch of people in cat suits in a room. Well, and... from, from the trailer, the dialogue looks mostly just cat pun kind of rubbish jokes said by famous people. Um, and then it's got some of the music in as well. And they'll probably make it a bit dark and edgy. And it's gonna be dreadful. I'm not like I'm not a I'm not a fan of cats. I'm not a fan of Andrew Lloyd Webber's music. Sorry, controversial opinion. <laughs> um, but the reason I mean, cats is like quite good because the dancing is so stunning. So mm. I feel like if they can't capture that that energy of like the beautiful live dancing, then it's not worth seeing. That's just my. That's time. a musical theater. <laughs> That's my uh, musical theater opinion. And now I'm going to go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank for that. you. She couldn't resist. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, but yeah, just to kind of wrap off on that. I mean, so A, the effects don't look very good. The concept of, am I the only one? Maybe it's, just, maybe it's just me, but am I the only one? When you see a list of names for a film, there's a fine line between you have went and found the best talent possible and then you've gone, fuck me. There's like 20 names here, which means not everyone's getting a good amount of screen time, <laughs> which means it's literally just like wave cameo blink yeah. and miss it moments. And those movies are terrible. Taylor it's, Swift is in this, isn't she? Well, she, I mean, I will never argue of the Tay-Tay army, but... <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to get them off. You, you don't want to piss them off. But yeah, it doesn't look good. And the whole, like, they've added sexuality to it in a weird way. Like the cats have boobs. Yeah, and well, they're like they're like twerking and stuff, and I I, I don't know. Like, it's, this is clearly isn't for us. <laughs> it's not not for us at all. It's very and, confusing. And there's a, there's definitely a moral dilemma there of Dame Judi Dench with really tiny feet, <laughs> poor feet, but also she's wearing a fur coat. Mm. Like the hypocrisy, like the weird thing of like you're wearing like a dead person. <laughs> Maybe it's like in Jim Carrey with um, Ace Ventura is carrying the Monopoly <laughs> guy around. I'll see that. Make that a musical. There we go. There we go. All right, let's move away from cats. I think that's enough said about that. But let's talk about Invisible Man. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss is producing and starring. And starring. I don't know if she's directing. I know she's producing and starring in it. Wow. And this looks incredible. I mean, I know we had that that dark universe that had an Invisible Man involved in it, and then that all got canned, and this was the, the new project to come out of it. And yeah, I was gutted at the time because I kind of liked this whole idea of a shared universe with monsters and stuff and that. But this looks like a gritty thriller horror where it's not necessarily it's using some effects but it's very much using the psychological aspect of it and elizabeth moss like she is one of the best actors going she's brilliant uh this looks amazing so because i remember seeing the original um but is this at all based on that or no uh, no it's a completely separate no thing. kevin bacon is not going to do a joke about superman fucking someone's ass <laughs> did that happen in yeah that did there's a, there's a terrible joke in it right. am I thinking of the right film I'm thinking of the right film what was it called it was an Invisible Man 
movie, wasn't it? With Kevin Bacon. Yeah. And, and he got injected. And it, like, the whole thing was they spent so much on the, the one scene where he gets injected with the stuff and you oh, see right. his body like... Yeah. Because this is like away. late 80s, early 90s, wasn't it? I think it was like mid-90s, actually. Oh. I don't know why I'm thinking it's called Hollow Man, but I know it wasn't. Well, it might be called Hollow anyway, Man. Anyway, this has anyway, nothing sorry. to do with that. It's, there's no Kevin Bacon no. But this, yeah, looks really thrilling. Um, bit of horror. I think this is going to be a winner. It feels like a, it feels Bloomhouse-y. Do you know mm. what I mean? In terms of like this... You know, one of the things I love about Bloomhouse horrors, and I don't know if this is, so you know, please forgive me if I'm wrong on this, but... They, they always seem to find a concept and they're now putting a layer of something just absolutely fucked up that you couldn't get away of any other film. Mm. But this concept of your abusive ex-partner is believed to be dead and they have bereaved you money and a house. So you should be grateful to this person. So everyone wonders why you've got a chip on your shoulder about this person, but they're not dead. They've done some fucked up experiments themselves mm. and they're now the invisible man stalking you. Like... Who and thought everyone of that thinks idea? And everyone thinks you're, you're crazy. the crazy one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I loved it. I generally loved it. I, I, Elizabeth Moss, in my opinion, does not get the credit she deserves. Well, maybe she will after. Maybe because I heard somewhere she's a Scientologist. I think always that's never a good like thing. That. Yeah, yeah. Like, but she's a really, she's like. But I really like her. It's really hard when you hear that. I heard uh, you know Beck, the musician producer, yeah. amazing. Um, I heard he was a Scientologist and it broke my heart but this week I read it that he's disavowed everything to do with Scientology so now I will listen to his music again <laughs> it turns out it was all bollocks <laughs> so he decided to go back to being he, a normal person he got to SP20 or whatever it is and realised it was all bollocks did he get the 100 pod sticker <laughs> that's when you know you've made it well speaking about music and well that's about the best segue I can get at the moment but uh, Pixar thanks mate Pixar dropped a trailer for their latest movie it's called Soul it's from the same guy who wrote uh, Inside Out as well as Up uh, which are you know, both I think both very interesting ways of telling a story and also underrated Pixar movies both very underrated and if you could take the thing that you love so much about Up, let's face it, it's the charmingness of it. It's a very charming movie. If you look about Inside Out, what did we like about that? Because it made us ask in-depth questions about what it means to be human, what it means to have emotion, what it means to have memories about how they shape your past, but how they direct your future. You get this film. It's called Soul. It's literally about the afterlife. It's about a jazz musician who falls down a manhole cover and then all of a sudden is in the afterworld. And that's all, that's it. That's all you know from it. But there's something... You know it's going to be charming. You know it's going to be just fun it's going to make you think it's going to make you ask questions about existence human life the human soul and everything in between mm. john what was your take on the yeah yeah loved it i think it's obviously representing uh you know uh, african americans a lot more which is probably something pixar being criticized for maybe in some of yeah, their historically enough. but um it's it's brilliant i love the music in it i just seeing a pixar because it's playing piano yeah. quite intricately and it looks like he was sort of playing the right thing and it's that was that's impressive animation you know yeah because animating musicians jazz musicians that's not an easy task so this looks amazing um pixar they're kind of getting more meta as they go and they? they're kind of asking deeper questions it's not just to. for kids anymore it's they've got it right because you've got 
You've got first of all, you've got Disney Studios with their animation side of things, mm. and they've got stuff like Frozen, Big Hero Six, Wreck It Ralph, all that sort of stuff. All the kids' stuff. I mean, it's kids' stuff, but they're great. Mm. Yeah. Really, you know, written really fucking well, and that's because they poached, not poached, but they went and got the best talent from Pixar to oversee all this sort of stuff. So Pixar has to sit there and go, well, what makes us different? Yeah. Because it used to be the technology, but now everyone has technology. Okay, it used to be the writing style, but now the writing style's kind of in the other Disney movies. So we have to do something that no one else can do. What is the DNA of Pixar? The DNA of Pixar is the culture, how it treats its people, how it treats its storytelling abilities. Okay, then let's ask deeper questions. Mm. Let's really try and find stories which aren't going to be just like the littlest dinosaur, but it's more about the stuff about that's really what it means to be human. And that's why Inside Out was such an interesting... I mean, it's not my favourite, by the way. You know, My favourite is probably up for mm. that first 10 minutes. But they... And they can still do popcorn. They've done that in Incredibles, but Incredibles 2 was very... Mm, let's not talk about that one. <laughs> but they can still do that stuff. But the stuff that they really go, what is going to win them their Oscars? What is going to make people... Story, I can like I can see this film similar to like Inside Out of those films that real filmmakers or real storytellers of the future will look back and say I grew up watching that film because it really made me think it really made me feel and I could still watch it again those films are timeless and that's what Pixar has above everyone else right mm, I think you're right that's an interesting way of putting it cause I haven't thought about that but yes Pixar are finding a new niche mm. um, and yeah I actually prefer Inside Out to Up, but there we go. Well, maybe we can have a, maybe we can we can. Uh, it's good to disagree. <laughs> change my mind. Um, just to wrap off news because this dropped just as I was driving over. Um, so, the guy who produced Bohemian Rhapsody, I can't mm. find the gentleman's name. Sorry, it's on a tweet somewhere. Uh, has procured the rights to write and potentially direct if he wanted to a Michael Jackson movie you know a biopic he's acquired the rights to the entire back catalogue the Jackson estate has given their blessing to this I want to know your thoughts on this John you can't I just think you can't possibly do it you you're going to upset half the people it's like Brexit you're going to upset half of the country but a Michael Jackson movie because you can't do it you can't even acknowledge the uh, the pedo stuff let's just call it that um if you don't want to upset his fans and base, and then, but if you do mention, if you don't mention that, then that basically upsets anyone reasonable who mm. probably believes there's something to these accusations that happened to his whole life. Yeah, <laughs> well, I suppose you know the difference between Michael Jackson and Brexit is that Brexit's definitely going to fuck all our children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, no. sorry, so <laughs> I'll keep that in. It's my first pod back, guys. So there we go. We'll leave it at that. Keep politics and podcasts out of the same room. But um, so yeah, why make this film? Why make this film at this time? Because we've had the documentary come out this year, as you say. There's a lot of accusations, a lot of things that will never be answered um, from that perspective as well. And also, are we, aren't we? are we a little bit uh, solo musician movied out? Uh, never. If, well, well, okay, I know you're a big <laughs> fan of those things. But a lot of people are saying that Rocket Man is probably not going to do very well at the awards because of how well Bohemian Rhapsody done. And the fact that we've even got the producer of Bohemian Rhapsody means the stink, however you want to call it, from Bohemian Rhapsody, which for the record, I enjoy Bohemian Rhapsody, but you cannot run away from the fact that it has a negative connotation, whether that's due to the storytelling or the people involved or Brian Zinger, whatever you want from that, there's still a stink. And for that alone, that is going to lead. Why would you go after this one? Okay, you know what? 
yeah Michael Jackson that's not going to be controversial <laughs> let's fucking face it now what's going to happen they're going to get an actor who can't sing they're probably going to whitewash it they're probably going to call it man in the mirror job done it's going to be terrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah I I disagree about the music biopics I think they're kind of it depends on the artists I think they're not a genre by themselves I would hate for them to be looked at as oh it's Walk the Line oh it's uh, Love and Mercy oh it's Rocket Man you know all part of the same genre because I think they're just biopics of amazing musicians I John yeah. how do you think I feel when people slag off superhero <laughs> movies alright it's no fucking different there's flavours uh, there's lots of genres subgenres in okay. there but you and Martin Scorsese <laughs> up on your <laughs> sorry yeah, so, no, fair enough I, I get your point um but no, yeah, bring bring on more. Maybe not the Michael Jackson. Actually, fuck it. Yeah, let's see what they do. <laughs> Why not? You know, the only way this is going to work is if they, because we've already had that Michael Jackson movie, right? We had we had that um, this, this is, is it, it movie, right? Yeah. Which at the time was a great experience. Now knowing a little more about the person and the accusations that have come out, that maybe we shouldn't be celebrating. But anyway, that aside, we've had that experience. We've also had... Finding Ma- Neverland. We also have... Well, yeah, <laughs> well, technically you've had that as well. We've also had... Um, we've had him in a movie with Moonwalker, right? So we, mm. I don't know where you go with this, where you don't get either a negative connotation about the story. And also because it's signed off by the estate, it means it's not going to be warts oh, and all. Oh, no. Right. There was also, do you remember in the 90s, there was a TV show, a TV movie of Michael Jackson. It was really good. I remember watching it anyway and loving it. Um, maybe just kind of love the music. But, and yeah, okay, the music is going to be banging. Of course it will be. That's a given. But I just don't, I don't know why. Why now? They're going to, then, so they're not going to mention the pedo stuff. I, I, who knows? We don't know. If it's by this. All we know is that the guy's got the, the rights to it and it's been signed off by the Jackson estate which probably means it's not going to be maybe they could de-age Macaulay Culkin <laughs> he might agree to be in it there we go uh, yeah maybe maybe they could call it not home alone anymore <laughs> John we need to work on your scripting before you before you, you improv on this um, that's alright it's all good Bubbles somehow comes back um, so yeah I think it's fair to say that uh, we're we're just we'll wait to hear what comes out of this but I, I don't know how this can can come to a place where you know we're all going to be happy and we're going to get a great film and a great performance mm. but anyway on that note that is your news for this Cool. So that news segment was chuffing long. That was just because we had a load of stuff to get through. So we will call it for this week for this pod. Next week, we are going to be reviewing The Irishman. Also, me and John have been invited to Secret Cinema to go have a look around at Hawking's because it is going to be based around Stranger Things. Can't wait, man. I generally, I went to Casino Royale one. I don't for the podcast. Absolutely fucking loved it. And the guy who's like our contact for this has said like he loved it and has invited us back. In fact, I even think we're going to get some time with one of the creative directors there to like an interview them. So that's going to be pretty cool. Lordy, looking forward to this. No, Lordy's not going to be there. Sorry terrible dad joke there um, working on them but uh, more importantly if you've enjoyed this podcast and you want to listen to a bit more then click on the like follow subscribe whatever button it is that you get more content from talk filming to me we'll be dropping our pods back in our usual weekly cycle now that I'm back up and running and get in contact with us tell us about stuff you like stuff you don't like things you'd like to see not like on the pod we only get better when we get more feedback and on that note John my boy thank you how can people find you you can find me wallowing in the cesspit of Twitter at Descomento. And my name has been Adam Flint. You can find us on Twitter at Talk Film with me. Stay filmy, hang in there till next time. Bye bye.